Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film, Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright, and you hate to see it when the U.S. military gives up on its troops. <laughs> Today, we're talking about Minute 108, which begins with a rain check and ends with radio static. Back on the show, it is Heidi Bennett from Vibrant Yay! Visionaries. Hello, Heidi. Hello. Uh, the sad, the tragic romance <laughs> of it all. This is where we are. This is what it's come to. The conversation about that dance. Steve asking for a rain check. And uh, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of it. And then at the end of this, I mean, he plunges into the ice. Ah. <sighs> You, I don't know what that sigh even means. I don't even know what it means, but I'm kind of on fire when I hear it. <laughs> it uh, I will say, this this scene, this whole thing, has been directed in a very romantic, like this tragi-romantic way. Can I say tragi-romantic? Yes. Is that a... You just did. Can I, I'll I did, honor it. I just did. Okay. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Thank you, Your Honor. I mean, it works, right? I mean, we have this romance between Peggy and Steve. It's been built up over the course of this film slowly but surely. Now we have, I mean, it's beautiful Haley Atwell, and she's got tears on her cheeks. And they're having this conversation about this last dance and meeting up at the Stork Club. Eight o'clock on the dot. Don't you dare be late. Like, it's super cute. It's really adorable. And then the whole, you know, callback. I still don't know how to dance. Yeah. Uh, it works. I mean, I will say... In, in the scope of a romantic storyline, they do a good job crafting it here. How's that? Is, is that better? Uh, that wraps up episode 108. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just have two. I just have uh, two, maybe one and a half complaints. Number one is I think they should acknowledge that this is the minute where Steve realizes at the very last second that, in fact, no, he does not know how to fly a plane and sure wishes he did. <laughs> I need I, I could use some of that. Oh, God, I really am going to crash now and it's not in the water. Uh, and the second complaint <laughs> that I have is something you said earlier in the week, Andy, which is that. Not only does the colonel clear the room, but everybody has cleared the room. Nobody is there. And the colonel is creepy, standing in the background, listening to this romantic conversation between the two of them. Like, come on, man. If you're going to give him some space, give him all the space. Like, go out, close the door, and just acknowledge that this is where the military gives up on one of its own because of romance. Like, maybe <laughs> that's maybe that's where it is. Maybe it's protocol. Like, you know, I have to be the second witness to the decisions that were made. <laughs> I was there, Your Honor. It's like right. he's her sponsor or something. Like, it just doesn't fly. You know, I, the, I will say, though, there is a, a sense of Colonel Phillips being there as a backup, just in case suddenly St Steve, like if, what if, <laughs> here's the scenario. What if Steve goes, oh, what does this switch do? <laughs> hey, look at that. It's on its way back to you. And like, the music. I think Phillips yeah. is there as a back, as like a military backup. So in case something is figured out, he's ready to jump in. Okay. All right. I don't, I don't think he's being a creeper. I think he's being a creeper still. 
I don't, you know, there is, there is a universe where both of those things work, Andy, where he's a creeper and he's there. Like, he's there, but creepily. <laughs> Heidi, what do you think of Tommy Lee Jones as Colonel Phillips? Do you like the character and do you like him in this movie? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's great. I, I don't have any <laughs> profound <laughs> thing to say about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's used well. He does a great job. It's a it's a fun character. And then, yeah, just the 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 way the scene ends with him is just like like a sad kind of a frog face sort of guy. Is just <laughs> you know, it's, sad so it is a little bit. There is some <laughs> comedy to it, I guess. <laughs> Well, I mean, it really, though, is about this dance. And this is, this is, I guess, to the point of, you know, what we've been saying as it relates to the commitment for that dance that Steve and Peggy had and the fact that Steve does finally get that. I mean, we've talked, and Heidi, just so you know, we do ask every one of our guests uh, for their Friday Minute uh, favorite Captain America moments. So be prepared. But a lot of our guests have picked, like, that last moment between Steve and Peggy, he finally gets that last dance. Here they are, you know, finally having that chance to follow up on this promise that had been made. And it's incredibly touching. And so, yeah, I, I can see why people find such a connection to that, you know, because they build it up emotionally starting right here. I like it. Good. That feels like a real turn for you. I still think is it because you got it all out of your system earlier in the week? No, I still think Steve at the very last minute could have said, hey, you know what? There's an ice shelf here. Why don't I just pull up a little bit and I'll just skid across the top. <laughs> Send some people over to pick me up. There he is. There I am. <laughs> Rassable curmudgeon. Yes. I, you know, I was listening to some other podcasts. Uh, probably how did this get made? And, you know, they were saying something like that about something and, you know, like, why don't they just do this or that or the other or something? And then, you know, somebody else on the podcast was like, well, then we wouldn't have a movie and we wouldn't be yeah, here talking right. about it. And we, you know, <laughs> uh, I know this is, this is like, to that point, like we, we talk about that all the time. And, and I think this is, I don't, I don't love taking Andy's side like this, but I'm going to that like this is the challenge when the movie seems so clearly to have ways to fix it like right there within grasp. Like they could make the plane a little bit more broken to make the situation a little bit more observably desperate for Steve and we wouldn't be having this conversation. And so that's that is I think that like that's the other side because it's right it's right there. It's right there. And like it would have been a couple of quick cuts, like 3 seconds of film and they could have solved this problem and I think that's the for me like if I'm being uh, you know, if I'm if I'm being gracious to that side of things and more critical, I, I think that's that's exactly it. And that's the thing that is super frustrating um, because the movie could still get made and could still have all the feels and could still have the loss of the relationship and the grief and also break the plane a little more. So we wouldn't believe Steve had an out. He just doesn't need an out. Yeah, I think sometimes I just wonder if like when you're in the weeds making the film and making the changes and doing the edits and this and that and the other, you know, that you just at a certain point can't see the, 
ice flows for the ice shelves. You know, you just can't see how easy it would have been to, you know, throw something in there, you know, or somebody said, why don't we do this? And, you know, and then they forgot or something, you know, just. Yeah. To that point, there has been, you know, a lot of conversation, particularly in recent years, about the struggles that visual effects artists have with what the filmmakers are asking of them and how complicated it is and how overtaxed they are trying to deliver on impossible goals with impossible effects. And it's it's very trying. And this is early in the wor- in the days of the Marvel Cinematic Universe when they're still not with Disney. They're still not on their own and largely dictated by other budgets and other people. And so there's a possibility that they were forced to kind of cut some things that maybe they had wanted to kind of do in here to kind of clean things up and make it a little more obvious that, I mean, we'll just never know. But, I mean, it is it is entirely possible that, that they did have to um, streamline some of this bit. Right. So, but it is very touching. Haley Atwell... She delivers. She's she really delivers the goods here, and Alan Silvestri does too. I think the two heroes of this minute are Atwell and Silvestri. <laughs> I'm into it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Not a classic duo. Creepy Colonel. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's you know he's just standing there. You know it's not it's not like he's hovering too badly, and he's down the hall. I think it's I don't know. I don't have an issue with it. <laughs> It would be worse if he was around the corner, literally peeking Peeking, around one of the walls. I guess you're right. That would be worse. Uh, You know, it's something else. Here's here's a question that that I have there. Well, I don't know. Should I ask this today? Maybe I should save this for tomorrow's minute. I I do have a question about uh, I'll just ask it today. They are in the Hydra headquarters um, command tower. Right. or, Or the control tower. That's that's the location for this particular scene. Like they they took over the Hydra headquarters. They're in charge now. They've rounded up any of the Hydra troops who haven't bit their cyanide capsules, and they are now kind of communicating. I, I don't know I, my sense of things with planes and and command towers is that they have ways to track where they are, especially if it's like your own plane, and we're in the Hydra control tower. Do you think though that, that I mean, and this is just a logistical question, but I, I I think it's a fair question. Do you feel like there is a way in this control tower where they could actually tap into the coordinates for the Valkyrie so that they know where it is exactly? Yeah, because it feels like we've already seen the scope that has the Valkyrie on the scope. Like that information isn't replicated in the control tower. Well, that's what I would think. And, you know, I mean, as Peggy says in this minute, oh, hey, you know, I'll, or I guess you said it in yesterday's minute about, you know, let me get Howard, you know, he can help you figure this out. And Steve's like, no, there's no time. But I don't think they need that. And, you know, we'll find out in later minutes this week what Howard is actually up to to try finding Steve. But I do, I, I don't know. I, I'm like, there has to be some signal that the Valkyrie had been sending here so that they know exactly where the Valkyrie is. Like, why is it a mystery where the Valkyrie crashes? Yeah, that's weird. Suddenly, that's really might be my bigger complaint this week. I'm to have a bigger one. Who knew? <laughs> Do you think that 
doing these movie by minutes is ruining your experience of watching these movies. You know, (laughs) unquestionably, (laughs) moving on. (laughs) What's interesting is like, this is a film that I struggled with when I first saw it. Like I had a hard time with the film. I felt like the hero is not somebody who has a an arc like he wants to be a hero and he is a hero and that's kind of it and it kind of peaks midway through on rewatches i was like oh okay this is an example of the type of story where the hero is not the change character but is changing those around him as i've been going through this though i did find well he kind of stopped changing characters midway through too when colonel phillips is like faith huh look at you you can be the commander of our group now and and i don't know i'm my all my old complaints are kind of rising again and i'm finding you know what i still have a lot of problems with this movie i like it i do i do think it's a fine film um but I, I find that it's a film that just has a lot of issues and yeah i mean i think it's an easy one to watch and kind of let wash over you and and not worry about all of these things. Um, I, I guess I just, you know, I, I had like I love Iron Man so much and I'm looking forward to future films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that really kind of that I connect with more. And Captain America, I, I connect with the Winter Soldier a lot more than this film. I think this is a good starting place for him. And I like Joe Johnston as a director. I just find that. I I find that I have struggles with this film, and while examining it in the movie-by-minute format may have amplified them, uh, I, I will say it also kind of amplified a lot of my interest and passion in the film. Like, I, I find a lot of things in this movie that I really love, and so... I, I don't know. I guess that I guess that there are, that's the pros and cons of doing it this way, you know? I mean, I'm sure you've run into that too, Heidi, because you've done some of these shows yourself. So the first one I did was uh, Spinal Tap Minute for This Is Spinal Tap. And it was, I, I grew to love the film even more. But what I realized, and, and I still think it's a fun podcast to listen to, if anybody wants to listen, it's at SpinalTapMinute.com is that we sort of ran out of adulations to, you know, it was like, oh, they're so good at this. Oh, they're so good at the, you know, oh, this joke, <laughs> when they say this joke, it's so funny, right? But like, people come just loving the film. And we didn't have anybody on that was like, oh, well, I really don't like it. You know, like everybody was just lovers <laughs> of the film. So it was more of like, oh, okay, so this is what it's like when you just watch a movie that everybody universally loves and <laughs> just talks about how much they love about it. And with um, The Cabin in the Woods, which it was Cabin Minute Cast, and that's at cabinminutecast.com, it made me like the and appreciate the film even more. But there, there were hard little, um, I would say that the word is um, leaking when you can... When you start to feel um, the true uh, personalities of, say, a Joss Whedon (laughs) Mm. leaking into it, it's Mm -hmm. revealing and interesting. And as a female, it's also kind of creepy as well. So it was interesting, and and I'm glad we did it, but you, you start to see people can't really... Um, hide you know the that side of themselves that's it's that's a little predatory or creepy so that leaks in so that was interesting yeah. you know 
Mm. Wow, that's a really that's a really interesting way to to think about it too, and I really love that term because what all we have leaking into this movie is Joe Johnston's love of the '40s. Like it just feels kind of glorious and revelatory and vintage in a really nice way. Mm-hmm. And um and and so you're right. I mean, as we embark on the Avengers, like stuff's going to leak all over the place, and I <laughs> you know I, I'm just aware of that. Uh, you know, going into it. And, and uh, that that's an interesting perspective for me. Yeah, it actually kind of comes, it kind of comes from even like the, the darker side of like, say, um, you know, abusive relationships, um, you know, <clears throat> people who uh, it seems like they're being very loving towards you, but they're actually being very controlling of you and all that kind of side of like destructive relationships with people is that, yeah, it, leaking is one of those terms I learned from that world of, um, in, you know, investigating uh, those kind of uh, predatory people or um, abusive, you know, people. And so, it, but it just, it, it's so evocative of what it's like, right? It just start. It, you can't not, can't not see. Once you, once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? <laughs> once you True. feel it, you can't unfeel True. it. Um, but I agree with you as far as um, Captain America, Winter Soldier, I've watched probably three times as many times as this one. And to me, this movie is just like an introduction, right? It's just, it's part of the whole MCU. It's just the beginning points for Captain America. So yeah, there's not this great arc. It's just an introduction is how I view it. So yeah, and you know, I, I guess it is doing its job in that capacity. You know, we're getting this setup for this character, and you know, also the setup for this romance, which is hitting this uh, this high point, or I guess maybe this low point, right here, as uh, Steve crashes the plane into the ice um, in the middle of his line about stepping on her toes, which is very, very sad. It is very sad. It's very sad, and then just tr- just just want to bring up again too is that we're also enjoying this incredibly we get romance and just this unapologetically strong female co-lead really i mean she's in it quite a bit and we get to see her value and her power and her you know physical strength and agility right and her intelligence and everything and then it's so great, right? So it's a 1940s style romance, but with, and of course there are some strong, I'm not like highly knowledgeable of films from that era, but of course I do know there are some very strong women, you know, from the forties characters, especially in like, I think of like noir or something like that. But uh, it's just so nice to see a movie where you just come in and just go, Oh yes. And this, this wonderful female character that's so strong and beautiful and awesome and funny and clever is, is in this as well. Yeah. She's, she's got a certain maturity and sass and strength. That's just rad. Yeah. And and Haley Atwell is one of those actresses who feels like she could be of that era. Like sometimes you put an actress in a certain era and it's like, well, I'm not a hundred percent sure I buy you in that era, you know, but she's somebody who I really feel kind of feels like she stepped out of that era. You know, Mm -hmm. so I, I really, I really like her in this character. I have a hard time picturing her outside of 
this era because of that. Like in other films, it, it, it almost seems weird for me. Yeah. And then we like, you get to explore so much more of her character in the agent Car- Carter, which there's only two seasons. So it's easy for people to, to breeze through it. But, you know, not only do you get to explore more of her and her relationships with, you know, the people who are her bosses and her coworkers and all that stuff, but there's also a lot of other women in that, that are, um, you know, part of her team of strong people and then some villains and really good female villains in that series. And then for anybody who's into the, the costumes and the music, um, from the forties, that's all really fun. And then, uh, yeah, it's just awesome. I don't know. Did you guys watch that? Oh yeah. The series? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so fun. So, so, so fun. I loved it. And they have a whole musical episode too. Dancing and singing of everybody, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, okay, so we at the end of this minute, you know, she calls out to him a few times, teary-eyed. Uh, Colonel Phillips, as we've said, uh, you know, creeping in the background or just standing in the background, whatever he's doing, he, he kind of lowers his head. And that's the end of this minute. So let's wrap it up. We'll come back tomorrow to finish up with all of the goings-on here. Uh, so, Heidi, uh, thank you so much for joining us again. And why don't you remind everybody where they can track you down? At VibrantVisionaries.com, that's where my podcast and my YouTube channel lives. And as I mentioned previously, I talk with a lot of filmmakers and other creatives. Um, award-winning podcast producer Tanya Ransom was on. I also had, um, and she does like horror short stories by um, Black authors. And that that was a really fun interview and then i was thinking galen howard he um actually he and i had some friends in common from the sacramento area but he is a character actor that has been in uh marvel's agents of shield and he was also in um book of boba fett uh so you'll recognize him if you just look up galen howard if his name doesn't sound familiar but that was a really fun conversation and he kind of talks about working on those projects and i also spoke with phil tippett um which most people know as the legendary creature creator and we talk about his film that he recently made mad god so yeah those are some of the podcast episodes people might be interested in bonkers that is awesome bonkers ties in very well with uh this whole thing because joe johnston was you know regularly working with phil tippett if you watch the light magic docuseries on disney plus you see both of them interviewed quite a bit we have a very hilarious 15 minute conversation so yeah if that if you want a little introductory episode of vibrant visionaries that one will probably set you on the right path and there's even a conversation with Andy Nelson and Peter. Not think, the same ones, right? <laughs> one of my early oh, interviews was with right. hanging out with you guys at XOXO in Portland. Oh, that was fun. No. Uh, way back when. Those are good times. Well, we appreciate you being here. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 109. So, Pete, thank you as always. Yeah, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow or today, right now, because I'm behind you, standing <gasps> behind you, watching everything you do. Thank you, Colonel Wright. Until next time, true <laughs> believers. <laughs>
Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. I was trying to figure out where you're going with that. I'm like, oh, okay, now I know. Creepo. Oh, he's doing he's doing the Pete thing. He's doing the thing he does. He he found the line and crossed it.